pray over the rest of our service. So God, thank you so much for the uh, experience that we've already had here this morning, getting to spend time with you, Lord, and worship you. God, as we read your word today, Lord, we ask that by your spirit, Lord, that you would make your word come alive in our hearts, Lord, that we would understand you in a greater way this morning and that we would leave here more confident in your love for us, Lord. And we love you and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated and the kids are dismissed at this time. Well, I am so excited uh, to get to be here. It's been a really exciting month in June. Um, It was my birthday, as you know. Thank you so much for the incredible celebration. It was my daughter's first birthday, June 18th, who is leaving the sanctuary right now. Sorry. (laughs) And kids are dismissed. And uh, my husband and I just celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary. And fun fact, we share a wedding anniversary with the Kashners, which is awesome. It's a great day to be married, June 10th. And one of the things that my husband and I love to do uh, every anniversary is we go get coffee at the same place and we talk about our favorite memories of our marriage. And so uh, one of the things that re- every com- comes up every single year is our honeymoon. And so we were gifted a beautiful honeymoon to Hawaii and um, we d- opted for one of those packages because I love to be in control. Uh, one of those packages where we planned everything before we went uh, and that way we knew down to the minute what we would be doing and one of the things that we got to do was snorkeling. And so there are a couple things that you should know about me. Uh, Number one, I don't like snorkeling. And (laughs) number two, I don't like uh, deep bodies of water that I can't see the bottom. And so, um, but you know what? My husband, Hayter, is incredibly adventurous and he will do anything. He'll try any food. He'll, he, he loves that. And so, I mean, it's our, literally like our first week of marriage. So I think I'm going to be a good team player and I'm going to go snorkeling with him. And so naturally, like we get suited up and the snorkeling guide who probably says this spiel a hundred times a day, right? Tells us, yeah, like have fun, be back in an hour and watch out for some of the coral. It's poisonous. Good luck. Right? And so another thing you should know about me, I'm terrified of coral now um, because I, the whole time, all I was thinking about is I'm going to die on my honeymoon because I touched coral. Okay. Like this is good time. So anyway, um, so we go through uh, this and we, we're having, he's having a good time. I'm along for the ride, right? And so he is, you know, leading me and I'm just following behind him swimming. And um, we've been out there. I lost track of time. It was probably 20 minutes, felt like eight hours, you know. I'm like exhausted from dodging the coral and just like fighting off a panic attack. You know, it was just too much. It was too much. But Um, So he takes us, you know, we're we're snorkeling and we see all these really beautiful things. And then I can tell that Hater gets disoriented (laughs) because I see him frantically turning side to side, trying to figure out where we are and how to get back to shore. So uh, rather than, you know, trying to figure it out myself, I'm just continuing to follow him. And um, I'm starting to panic, okay, because I'm thinking yeah, this is it. You know, we were married for three days and we're going to, you know, go together, I guess. But uh, so (laughs) we're going, we're going and he's leading me. I lose track of him. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm doing my best. I'm just panic going, going, going. And all of a sudden, instead of seeing coral, you know what I see? 
a pair of ankles because I'm in four feet of water and I had no idea that I was so close to shore and I screamed underwater because I saw these two things. I'm too busy looking for coral. I was like, what are those? Someone's ankles, okay? Whoa, and you're like, why are you telling us this? Well, there is a point, okay? So I learned a lot of things on my honeymoon. I learned a lot of things on that snorkeling trip uh, outside of not liking snorkeling. But two things that I I really learned uh, that I think apply to life. Number one is that deep water distorts things, okay? When we feel submerged, reality feels very subjective, right? And so uh, that is something that I learned, right? That there was was no um, real understanding of safety or lack thereof because I was just feeling overwhelmed, right? The second thing I learned is that sometimes when we feel overwhelmed and overcome, all we have to do is stand. If I would have just realized I'm in four feet of water, I'm taller than four feet, if you can't tell, right? All I had to do was stand, and I would have been just fine, panic attack avoided, right? Like trauma avoided, right? And so this morning, um, I want us to journey through the scriptures together and just see what encouragement that as a church family, we can gather. And so maybe today you're in a situation where you feel like you're in deep water, right? You feel like you are disoriented, that your grasp on reality and your grasp on what's true is just slowly drifted away, right? Or maybe um, you feel like you are um, just having the panic starting to set in, right? You've been underwater for a long time, and you are wondering, is this ever going to end? And maybe this morning you're not feeling that way, and you're feeling really strong, really confident, but I would guarantee if we asked, I won't ask you this, but if you had to raise your hand, if you knew someone going through something in life right now, I'm sure every single person in here could raise their hand. And so maybe this morning, this is just good scriptural knowledge to tuck away so that we can encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ with the encouragement of who God is when they are feeling overwhelmed and they are feeling overcome. And so um, regardless, I believe this morning that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us through God's word um, how we can have hope in him when life feels incredibly overwhelming. And I think there's three things um, that we can do as Christians with our faith in God. And the first one is to stand up, right? When we are feeling uh, overwhelmed, to stand up. The second is to stand firm, right? As we stand up, it's important to stand firm. And if you've ever been to the ocean, you know it's hard to stand firm sometimes when your feet, when even in ankle deep water, when the sand is shifting, it's hard. And the last thing is to stand ready, to stand ready. What is God going to do? How is God going to move? What is he expecting of me in the meantime? So uh, if you can, let's go ahead and head to our first scripture this morning. And we're going to be in Acts 14, chapter 14. We're going to read verses 8 through 10. I'm reading in the NLT, but you can read in whatever you'd like. And the scripture will be on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible accessible. So um, just context before we jump into this passage. Um, This is taking place on 
the apostles Paul and Barnabas's missionary journey. And so they're traveling around and they are telling people about Jesus. And I believe they're in modern day Turkey at this point, if that helps you geographically. And this is what our scripture says. It says, while they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. That's important to think about. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had the faith to be healed. So Paul called out to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. So I love this scripture, and one of the first things that I noticed about this passage is the really important fact that this man had never walked before. It wasn't like he walked and then he lost his ability to walk and he's praying for God to do something or give him back something he already had. This man, who is unnamed, right, he had the faith for God to do something brand new, brand new in his life. Amen? And so it wasn't so much restoring as it just was doing something new. And so I think that is an incredible telling of his faith that he believed God for things that he had yet to experience. Amen? And I think that's hard, right? Sometimes it's easy for us or easier to ask God to fix something that we've had and that was broken, right? But it takes a lot of faith to ask God for something that we've never personally experienced and we've never personally uh, felt or have seen in our lives, right? And so if we feel like we've never experienced peace and we're asking God for peace, that's a big ask on our part, right? But we serve a God who is able. Amen. And so as we think about our first point of standing up, I think it's really important to realize that as Christians, we are not standing on faith in ourselves or in our own ability to stand. Because if that were the case, I would not be standing nine times out of ten. And that's like generous, right? And so that is encouraging to us this morning. If you are tired and you are like, okay, this sounds good, but I can't. I can't stand up. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm done trying, right? I understand what you're saying. And so the good news this morning is that we stand up in God's strength, not our own. Amen? And then the last thing I think um, that we uh, have to see from this passage is that the man in the story stood up because he recognized who God is, right? He didn't magically train his body to learn how to stand up one day randomly, right? I'm sure he's tried, but he recognized who God is and he called on God, rather than trying to do it on his own. And I think, unfortunately, in um, American Christianity, I don't know if this is worldwide Christianity, we kind of have this concept that we have to clean ourselves up before we come to God, right? Maybe you've heard people say that, i got to clean myself up before I come to church, or I'm going to do my best, and then I'm going to ask God to do the rest. Well, the problem with that is our best is so uh, minimal compared to God, right? And so let's be people as a church, right, who are people who are known as people who can ask God for big things. 
for ourselves, for our family, for our church, that we would be a church that is known for believing that God will give us the ability and the power to stand up, to do new things, and to see God do new things that we have never seen before. Can we do that together? Amen. Awesome. So let's go on to our next text this morning. And so um, if you want to journey with me to the book of Ephesians, and again, the text will be on the screen, we are going to be reading Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. And um, we're going to be talking about the armor of God right? And um, maybe this is familiar to you. I know kind of growing up in church, I would always just think of, you know, this like metal armor, and I thought that's really cool, but I didn't really understand what I was supposed to do with that, right? I was like, cool, a helmet. I don't want to wear that, right? Like bad hair day. And so um, I, we're going to just walk through it through the implications. What does this actually look like for us as we plan to stand firm in who God is, stand firm in the Lord? And so let's go ahead. We're going to read um, starting at verse 10. And so it says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Right there could be a whole text, a whole message, right? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And that's good for all of us that don't have mighty power ourselves. Amen. (laughs) Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Verse 13 says this, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Amen? So... There is something that I know, I don't know a lot, I say that often, but I know that I have been plagued by spiritual warfare, right? That the, the devil has had my phone number and tried to look me up. Anybody else, you can say that's happened to me, right? And so um, one of the things that I realized is that the devil loves to add salt to the wound and he loves to kick us while we're down, right? And so if we are standing up, but we're not standing firm, the enemy comes and just tries to kick us and take us right back down, right? And that's why standing firm is so important. And again, the good news this morning is standing firm is not dependent on our own strength, but our reliance on God's strength, right? And so we serve an all-powerful God, and that is great news because he never runs out of power, right? He does not have a power limit, right? He is not our phones that run out of power really fast, right? He is an all-powerful God. And so there will never be a time that he does not have the power for us needed to stand firm. 
which is good news this morning. And so the battle is already won. We know that, that we are victorious in Christ. But unfortunately, the war still must be waged at times. The spiritual war that we face just living as people who serve Jesus in this world. And so something I realized in this text that is very clear is that it says that we must put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor, right? And so that's, I think, very important to take note of. The other thing I realized is that in this text, it's, it's important that it says we put the armor on. Wouldn't it be nice if God just like fitted us with the armor from birth, right? You come on out and you're like ready to battle, right? And so what's really interesting is that we see here that there is responsibility on our end to put the armor on. Thank God we don't have to make the armor. Thank God that we don't have to rely on our own strength to do that. But we must choose daily to arm ourselves for battle, right? And something I love about God is he gives us instruction in his word is he never leaves us hanging. He never is vague and says, well, put the armor on. And then we think, well, what's the armor? I love that God details so beautifully for us how we are to live for him. He makes it easy for us to understand. And so we're going to walk through really quickly um, our spiritual armor. And so um, this, of course, is found in Ephesians, but we're going to walk through it really quick and figure out how are we going to imply this so that we can stand firm in the power of God. And so the first thing um, is that we are to put on the belt of truth, the belt of truth, right? And so um, knowing God himself in his word, which is our source of hope. If we find our hope in anything other than God, it will just be temporary and it will not be satisfying. And so what is beautiful is we serve an unchanging God, right? Our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And one of my favorite scriptures says that we serve God who has known the end since the beginning. So we can take confidence in who he is. So we put on our belt of truth, knowing who God is. Then we must put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so again, thank God, our righteousness is not based on our personal merit. Or we would not have a single righteous person in here, right? And so thank God that our righteousness is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so um, we are made righteous because of Jesus, and I think that the devil tries to do everything that he can to make us doubt that, right? I can say that um, for uh, myself. I've experienced that in my life, that somehow we feel like our sin is just too great. That, you know, as the Bible lists out all the sins, well, I thought this, or I said this, or I did this, and it didn't say that explicitly, so maybe, just maybe, I'm not forgiven, right? Or we think we're the exception to the rule. I've felt that before, right? Where we sing of God's love, and I think, yeah, God loves everybody but me, right? And we think we are super special in that way. And that's, <laughs> that's uh, I think, a pretty universal experience at times. But I think what's important is that you are original, right? You are unique, but your sin isn't. And so the Bible tells us that, right? That uh, what we face, right? The temptations we face are what people all over for all time have faced. And therefore, our sin is the same sin that people have been dealing with for all of time. So that's good news because you're not the exception to the grace rule, 
you're not. You're not the exception to the righteous rule. And hopefully that's like encouraging and not like, oh man, right? Like you're not. And so the devil though tries to convince us that somehow we are. That, oh, if, if only that pastor knew me and what I said to my spouse this morning, right? Or only if that pastor knew what I said when I was driving down the highway at 80 miles an hour, right? Like I'm in there, okay? Um, but that, that's just not true, right? That's just not true. We can rest in God's righteousness. And so we must protect our spiritual vitality uh, and stand firm with a reminder that we are right in God's eyes because of Jesus. And because of his blood, we have eternal life and can consider ourselves righteous. Amen? Awesome. The next piece of armor that we've got to stick on is having our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so I googled what's the opposite of peace, and I really didn't know. And um, I saw here that a word that came up was conflict. And I can think uh, for myself, and I'm sure we can each think of a time that instead of feeling spiritual peace in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds, we felt conflict instead, right? Where we wondered, um, you know, maybe some turmoil of, am I really loved by God? Am I really saved, right? All of those things. Is God really going to come through for me? I love that we sang the song, Do It Again. I love that song. If I could only sing one worship song for the rest of my life, I would sing that song, right? I rocked my baby to sleep with that song last night. Or is it called Sea of Victory? Sorry. I don't know what it's really called, but that song, okay, where we say God can do it, right? We'll see him do it again. I love that song. And um, that is what gives us the peace. Our peace isn't found in who we are and our circumstances. Our peace is found in the unchanging nature of our God who will do it again. Amen? And so um, God allows for us, when we have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace to have peace in our battles, which is not a gift from the, the world because we're going to have trouble, right? But we can have peace in who God is and his protection and his provision for us. And I love that the Bible says that God gives peace that surpasses understanding. I'm one of those people that love to know why everything happens. Is anybody else in here that like half of your prayers start with why? <laughs> I'm like, hi, God, why, right? I'm one of those people. And if you have ever prayed those prayers, you know that sometimes God tells you and sometimes he doesn't, right? And I think what's great is that the gift of God's spirit that allows for us to have peace is not contingent on our understanding of why God does the things he does because we know who he is. We can trust his nature and we don't always have to understand his actions, right? And that's hard. It's hard, but it's true. The next piece of armor, are you guys feeling heavy yet? Lots of armor. <laughs> the next piece of armor, we're almost out of armor, okay, is the shield of faith that extinguishes the flaming arrows of the devil. And it, when reading commentary about the shield of faith, um, it says that the shield allows for a complete quenching of fire, the fuel that the devil uses to cause us to be tempted to doubt God and become spiritually queasy, right? Some days, we run low on faith. I can tell you that firsthand, right? So let's take up our armor. Let's trust God to provide us the faith that we need to make it through the day, right? Every single day, let's put on our armor and do that. 
Our next piece of armor is our helmet of salvation handed to us by God himself. Just as an armor bearer would hand the pieces of armor to a soldier, God himself gives us this beautiful assurance of salvation, our helmet of salvation. And again, not based on our own merit. Right? I think sometimes as Christians, we can acknowledge that we are saved by faith and uh, through grace, right? But at the same time, we kind of work on this merit system where we, when we do things for God, we feel as though we're really loved and we feel very confident in our salvation, right? And then when we're having a rough day or week or year, right, we start to um, find ourselves kind of questioning our salvation. I don't know if that's ever happened to any of you. And again, I think the devil, here is why we're, we're battling spiritually, tries to make us feel as though we aren't saved, right? That we just, again, we've either done too much or we were never even saved in the first place, right? I've felt that before where I'm like, oh my goodness. And um, I think that the devil will do anything possible to make you doubt your salvation, right? If he can't make you doubt your salvation, he's going to try and make you spiritually ineffective. But there is a, a, a real spiritual war, right? A real spiritual battle. And I think that we've got to be really sober-minded and real about that. And that's why God has so graciously listed his armor for us, right? So that we can put it on, but we got to put it on, right? And so I know um, for me, I think I probably in my 29 years of life have Googled, how do I know if I'm really saved at least 29 times, right? And so it's a, it's a common experience for us all, but God through his word and through his spirit inside of us bears witness that yes, we are really saved, but we need to put on this armor to remind ourselves that our salvation is found in Christ alone. Amen. So I want us to be known as a church, as people who are spiritually firm and that we stand firm through all of the trials that life brings, that we would be strong spiritual soldiers ready for battle and knowledgeable in how to use the armor of God and that we would trust God that we are already victorious in him. Do you want to do that? Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. John's ready. He's, he's got his armor on. I love it. Okay, hey, at this time, I'm going to invite Jonathan up. We're getting ready to land our plane. And I just have uh, one more point, right? So we've talked about standing up. We've talked about standing firm. And now I want to talk about standing ready. And so um, we're going to look at our last scripture this morning. This is found in the book of Luke chapter 12. So we're going to read verses 35 through 39. And it says this, be dressed and ready. Oh, I'm sorry. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you are waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I'll tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must expect to be ready at all times, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. And so after we stand up, 
and after we stand firmly, we need to stand ready. We serve a God who is alive and active and is coming back again. And I love that we sang about that even this morning. And so something that I admire and I desire to emulate about generations older than mine is their expectancy and excitement for Christ's return, right? And I would tell you, um, as a kid, I was not excited or expectant about Christ's return. We used to sing the song Days of Elijah in my church, and every time we sang that song, I would run and hide in the bathroom, and I wish I was exaggerating, and I'm not, because it terrified me. I'm like, he's coming on the clouds, like what? You know, and I would hear these big trumpet noises, because I'd be like, is the trumpet now? You know, like what's going on? And I would sit in the bathroom stall, and I would pray, God, let me turn 18 first, please, right? Let me get married first, please. Like, let me have a house, please, right? All of these things, because truthfully, right, my hope was in the things of this world to bring me joy and to bring me happiness, not in God. And now I'm like, yes, he comes. Like, come today, Lord, right? We, a real heart change. But that wasn't because of age. That was just because of understanding more about how good God is right? And that one day with him is better than thousands elsewhere. And so I, I know that, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to think about what that looks like, but we know our God, right? And we know that he is good and that he has prepared a place for us. And so would we be a church who is ready for Christ's return, right? That we would be known by God as a church who is standing ready, that we would be about the Lord's business, that we wouldn't be distracted by the things that so easily entangle us, but that we would be a church looking expectantly for the return of Jesus and anticipating his coming. So we're going to end our time together with a time of prayer this morning. And um, I just want to encourage you in a couple ways, right? Uh, obviously, I want you to talk to the Lord, to have space and time to do that this morning. And so I want to encourage you, if you need the strength to just stand up, ask the Lord for that, right? Ask the Lord to give you his strength to just stand up to rely on him, right? And if you need this morning to have the ability to stand firm, would you ask God for that, right? And maybe this morning you think all that sounded really good about being righteous in God and all of that, but I don't know that I can consider myself that way, right? I don't know that I've ever asked God to be my righteousness, right? I, I'm sick and I'm tired of trying to do enough good to outweigh my bad and hope that God accepts me. And I am ready to admit my need for God to just take care of it. I'm ready to lay all my good work down at the altar of God and accept his free gift of salvation. Maybe that's you this morning right? And maybe you are past that point in your spiritual walk and you have realized that you've just kind of become complacent in life, right? That maybe you realize, yeah, I'm standing pretty firm, but I'm not looking for God to move. I'm not being about the Father's business. I'm just distracted, 
I'm chasing things of the world and I am not waiting on my triumphant king to come back as I should be. And maybe that's you this morning. And God just needs to reorient our mind to remembering to be about his business. And that's a beautiful thing to be. So I encourage you, I want you to pray in the way that makes sense for you while I pray for us all this morning. And so let's go ahead, um, if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, let's go ahead and pray together this morning. God, we love you. And Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us, God, in a way that we can understand. And Lord, thank you for giving us the keys to life, Lord, that we can understand who you are. Thank you for doing what you have done on the cross so that, Lord, we can be in right standing with you. God, something that we could never achieve on our own. Lord, I pray um, for my brothers and sisters in Christ here today, God, that you would give us the ability by your strength, God, to stand up. God, when we feel overwhelmed and overcome by the many, many troubles of this life, God, I pray that you would give us the ability to stand on your strength. Lord, I pray that you would give us the ability as a church family, Lord, to stand firm. God, that you would give us the power that comes from your spirit, Lord, to put on our spiritual armor every single day. Lord, would you give us the um, just the, the uh, sober-mindedness to remember to do it. God, in a world that is so busy, Lord, would you remind us it is time to put on your armor. And God, I pray last that, Lord, you would give us hearts that remember that you are coming back again. And God, that we would be a church that stands ready for your arrival. Lord, that when you come back, whether it's tomorrow or a thousand years from now, Lord, I pray that we at Bethel Church of Talmadge would be a church known to be ready and about our Father's business. And so, Lord, we need your power. God, we need your strength. We cannot do this on our own. And, Lord, we are tired of trying. And so, God, would you let today be a fresh start? God, would you let today be a fresh start in our hearts and in our minds, God? And would we walk out of here? And, Lord, would we be different? Would we be fully reliant on you? God, would we be uh, restored? Would our strength be restored, Lord? And would we... Be uh, people, Lord, who are looking for you today, tomorrow, every day. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, church, you are welcome to stay here if you want to continue praying. Um, you are more than welcome to. And if you 